When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I love you, pretty baby. You're the only love I've ever known. Just as long as you stay with me, the whole world is my throne. Beyond here lies nothing, nothing we can call our own. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about Beyond Here Lies Nothing, the opening track from 2009's Together Through Life, is fellow Bobcat, Roberta Rakoff. Hi, Roberta. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk about the song. Together Through Life is not a record that gets, you know, a whole lot of love. Uh, at least respective to the other uh, records in the Dylan canon. And so I'm interested to finally, you know, I mean, we've covered a couple songs from it, but there's still a bunch more to do. So I'm, I'm glad we're kind of getting to, to one from, from this song. And this is the rare Dylan song that has a video. That oh, yeah. We'll, we I, I, talk about. We're, we're going to talk about the video later. Oh, on. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to all that, since this is your first time on the show, of course, I have to ask you, how did you become a fan in the first place? So um, I have a little bit of a prequel for you before I get to how I became a fan. I think right. I, I mentioned this to you. Um, I'm going to guess I'm the first guest you've had on your show whose grandparents were Eastern European Jews who emigrated to Hibbing, Minnesota. So <laughs> yep. probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like to think that even before anything else, I had this in my DNA. <laughs> right. I mean, there's not a large group of us. And um, so um, I, I start there thinking that, OK, you know, it, it was always with me. But um, the way that I really got into Dylan, I was a little bit late to the party. I know a lot of your guests will say I had an older brother who helped me get into this in high school. Well, my brother sort of failed at that task. Uh, he mm-hmm. It's not his fault. He was away at college. But I am nine years younger, I think, than Bob. And so in 1964, I, Bob was happening, but not happening for me or my friends. I was uh, living here in Evanston, Illinois, and we were all British invasion all the time. It was the Beatles, it was Herman's Hermits, it was Chad and Jeremy, it was Peter and Gordon, it was all of that. We saw the Beatles when they came to town, and I don't think Dylan was even on our radar screen. But in 1968, I go away to college, and I went to uh, a college that was what we would now call very progressive, pretty lefty out in Southern California, sort of the ultimate uh, 1968 California experience. And we were sitting in someone's room and they put on Blonde on Blonde. And I was wondering if I had actually imagined this, but a friend of mine from college was in town. She goes, no, I remember this is exactly how it happened with you because we're all (laughs) staring at you. So we're listening to Blonde on Blonde. And I felt like someone had hit me on the head with a baseball bat. (laughs) <laughs> I and and I don't know if if you've ever seen anyone get into a sports zone, but my my son was a hockey goalie, and one time he play, made something like fifty saves, and we said to him, "How did you do that?" And he said, "The room got really quiet, and the puck was really big, and that's what it felt like to me in that room." I didn't really. I I do not remember anybody else being in the room. It was just me and that music. And when I walked out of that room, it wasn't just that the music had this big impact. It was that the way you saw so many other things in life had suddenly changed. So I started with Blonde on Blonde. I ran right out and I bought that. And then, you know, no one had any money. I was working in the dining hall for money. So every time I would get paid, I was working my way backwards from Blonde on Blonde, which you had a lot of significant (laughs) albums to go through there. And then I went to England for a year uh, to go to study. And when I got to England, I fell in with this group of people who were really into music. I I married one of them. And not just because he was at the Isle of Wight concert, but that helped. (laughs) And they were really into Dylan, but they were also into the influences that were going on between Dylan and music in the U.K., 
So everybody was very much into Martin Carthy. I don't know if you know any of the stories about him and Dylan. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we, we would hear Martin Carthy. Um, then we would hear Fairport Convention, who was recording just a lot of Dylan. And there was it, it was a really much more immersive experience. And so by the time I was done there and I came back, this was really firmly fixed in my mind. And I have to say, that's where it stayed. So I was one of those people who um, I never, wherever Bob went, I was perfectly happy with where he was going. And I always felt that I would catch up. So I never had one of those periods of I don't like this or I don't like that. Hmm. And fortunately, my husband's into a lot of music. So I didn't only listen to Bob because I think I can't remember who I heard of Stephen Hyman or someone saying I only wanted to listen to Dylan. And that was how I was a bit. But. I had a bigger world than that, but it dominated. We, we were laughing. We remembered my son was about three years old and he's sitting on his booster chair and eating his cereal. And he looks up at us and he says, I gave her my heart, but she wanted my soul. <laughs> and my husband said, you've got to play other music here. <laughs> right. So, so just, you know, we would go see Dylan whenever we could. It it, it just sort of remained a, a big part of my life and would find ways to, you know, all my friends knew this. Uh, I and, and they would always do really kind things. I have a younger friend who for a significant birthday called me up and said, I've got the best gift for you. And I meet her and she has an aunt up in Minnesota who she got to go get matchbooks from the hotel where Bob had his bar mitzvah. <laughs> and at some point, and, and she'd written out this whole description. It was like the social event of the year. She'd written out this whole description, but those are the kinds of things people would bring to me. And I think when, you know, this just continued when Bob turned 70, um, I worked for a, a, a an inner city hospital system and our chief medical officer was also a musician. He was a guitarist. And we said, we've got to do something for Bob's 70th birthday. So we had this big party. Bob couldn't come, but we had about 50 people. We had a life-size uh, cardboard cutout made of him, which greeted everybody at the door and everyone took their picture with him. We had musicians from the Old Town School of Folk Music. We had a cake. We had, we had a, and people between the ages of 20 and 70 uh, attended that. So, you know, this just continued. But the last thing I want to say about this is how significant the last three years have been because there are very few good things about a pandemic, right? <laughs> very few. But one of them was because we were stuck inside. I was not a person who listened to a lot of podcasts, but I discovered this whole world. I discovered you. I discovered Laura. You know, I discovered the Jokerman and, and really getting more deeply into a lot of things that I did not know. Um, I attended my first online conference from the Bob Dylan Institute in Tulsa and ended up just meeting a lot of wonderful people through that. They're, they're one of the professors there from the University of Southern Denmark who presented. He and I are communicating all the time. I got the opportunity in that period to put together and coordinate with a couple of friends an adult education class at Northwestern here in Evanston about Dylan. And that was just a fantastic experience. So in a very strange way, the fact that we were stuck indoors and we, there was so much we couldn't access actually created in some ways a deeper experience for me. And that's where I am today. That's marvelous. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was not the story that I've expected. I, you know, all the stories are, they tend to be, you know, they're all different in their own ways, but there was. <laughs> There's some stuff there you threw me. I love people who can pin their discovery of Bob to like a single experience. I always find that to be that wasn't that wasn't exactly my experience. Mine was a kind of a little more gradual, but I, I love it when someone can remember a specific event of I sat and I I didn't know who this guy was, and then I heard this and I walked away a different person. By the end, <laughs> I love that origin story. I love those are so fascinating to me. They they really are. And I've heard a lot of them on your show. And I love I love the different ways everybody enters this universe. Now, when you listen to Blonde on Blonde, right? So when did you 
did, when it was over, did, were you like, please put that back on? Or did you just no. kind of get, oh, you I, just got up and walked away. We're like, oh, I got wow. up, I got up, I walked away and I went back to my room and I think I just sat there for an hour. <laughs> so it was, it was like this little <laughs> nuclear explosion going off. <laughs> Oh, visions and, of Johanna? What does that even mean? What is he talking yeah. about? But, it did, you know, you just viscerally knew what he was saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and I think that it, that's what I mean about sort of being in a sports zone. It it was just it just totally made sense for me completely. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't I only played sports as a child. And I was terrible at it. So it's not something I've done. But I know about being in the zone, certainly yeah. where you've I've gone on. I'm I'm a runner. And there's been times where. Uh, I've run, I generally run when I do, I go run and I do five miles. That's my path. And there were, there've been days where I had so much energy. There was one day I ran like 15 miles in one clip and I can't now I think of that now. I'm like, how could I do, how did I do that? But in, I can remember in that moment, I was like, I'm just not tired. I'm just going to keep going until I get tired. And so well, I was in that yeah. zone, you know, <laughs> it, it, it was actually nice to have my friend validate this when mm-hmm. she was in town and she came to our Dylan class and someone said, well, you know, how did Roberta become such a, a maniac about this? She goes, oh, I remember this exactly. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't dreaming it, you know, it, it, it actually happened that way. That's amazing. That's awesome to have, like, again, a, a yeah. witness to it. it was, oh, I was watching yeah. Roberta. She, she looked different after I, yeah. after a. Uh, so I yeah, just she, came on. She said you look dazed, you know. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's marvelous. Have you seen Bob live? Yes, I have seen Bob live, and I knew you were going to ask this question. And I said to my husband, "I didn't know I was supposed to be keeping track <laughs> all those years." And I really envy all the people who come on your show, and they can pinpoint everything. I would guess I have seen Bob about between 15 and 20 times. Oh, marvelous. That's well, great. We, we, yeah. So, so we try to see him whenever he's been in Chicago and, you know, there are two concerts I, I, I would want to highlight for you there. And just in the past few years, I realized counting back that I'd seen him several times here. He performs here a lot. Um, I also have friends who want to make sure I don't miss him if he's not here. So, for example, he was appearing at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and I'm my husband never drove. I'm a terrible driver, and I finally <laughs> stopped. But one of my younger colleagues said to me, "You can't miss this. I don't have the kids that weekend. I'm going to drive you up to Madison. We'll go to the concert. I'm going to go out to the bars that I used to go to as a student up there. You're <laughs> not, because that would be deeply weird." And <laughs> He said, but I can't have you miss this concert. And then I, I remember in, in 2016, and the reason I remember the exact year is my, my son had just started graduate school in North Carolina. And a friend of mine in North Carolina, I see she's calling me really early in the morning, 8 o'clock, and I pick it up. And I hear on the other end, she's going, just buy the goddamn tickets, Tom. Buy them right now. I'm telling you, they'll come. And I'm like, Sandy? And she goes, you will come here in November to see Bob Dylan, right? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, bah. she goes, Tom, buy, buy those tickets, you know. So we flew to North. I have friends who look out for me. Those are great friends. That's marvelous. Yeah, they are real. They are really great friends, and those were great concerts. But uh, but I I do have two here because I know you're sometimes curious that uh, mm-hmm. I would like. So I listened to your wonderful, wonderful Jeff Slade interview. I mean, that was so so good, and. He mentioned going to see one of the baseball park concerts, the minor league baseball concerts. So we did that here. I think it was 2005. Dylan was playing with Willie Nelson. They were, I don't know how well you know the Chicago area. They were in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is nowhere you ever go unless you're going to Ikea. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But, you know, I was still driving then, not well, but still driving and so we got tickets and we drove out there and it's just gorgeous July night, just beautiful. And we have really good seats and we're baseball people. So we're feeling very comfortable and, and people are going up and down the aisles and they're going beer, peanuts, hot dogs. And we're feeling right at home. And I look around the park and I said to my husband, I think 80% of the people here are here for Willie, mm-hmm. just gazing over the crowd. And he goes, I think you're right. So Willie comes on. 
and the entire park lights up. Everybody <laughs> was smoking weed in the. Okay, park. I was about to say, do you mean that literally or do you mean no, metaphorically? No, no, right, yeah. So, 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 even though we're outside. By the time I got home, my clothes just reeked of weed. I had two <laughs> teenage boys at home going, what were you doing? <laughs> but it was the loveliest concert. It's just like he described it. It was so, everyone was so happy, not just because they were high, but everybody was so happy. And you could see that Willie Nelson and Dylan were also incredibly happy to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And their sets were great. And it was one of those nights where you thought, who else would ever do this? Who's going to go around to these little minor league baseball parks and do it? So that was a really wonderful concert. But the other one I really wanted to talk about was Rough and Rowdy Ways, because we were the second concert on that tour here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, the announcement came and I actually owe it to Henry Bernstein that I got the code for the tickets because even though I was the one who told him how to get the code, I never got it. He did. And he texted me, you know, right in the middle of while we were waiting. And, um, Henry, Henry's a true mensch. Henry, Henry is a mensch, you know, and, and that bonded me to him forever. Uh, so uh, he's just great. So um, that that was we had been to. We go to a lot of live music. And if there was one thing we missed during the pandemic more than anything, that was it. And this was, we had been to one, we had seen live music outside. I think we'd seen Patti Smith and Los Lobos outside, but we had not been to any big indoor concerts. And then I think we went to one of the old time school folk music for, um, asleep at the wheel but this was really the first concert that we're all going back to and it's bob right so we're all going back this is our first night back people were so and it's at the auditorium theater in chicago which is one of the most beautiful theaters you'll ever be in louis sullivan just exquisite and people walking in because we're you could just feel like we are back and bob gave us this great gift Mm-hmm. that that he's opening here so it will it made me realize i will never take that for granted again i will never take for granted the opportunity to have this experience again and it was so special that it could have been a lot of people but the fact that it was bob was pretty amazing that's great that's fantastic yeah uh yeah i try and be very cognizant of that anytime i'm i'm engaging with him in some the work in some level, I try and be, you know, conscious of like, this is, this is really amazing. I'm getting to do this. I'm getting to have this experience, uh, at this point, you know, at 80, at 81 years old, he's still putting this out. He's still touring. He's still doing this. He's still doing that. And he was uh, and great. not take it for granted. Yeah. yeah. Right. On top of it, the show, it's just being at the show itself is great. But then the fact that it's actually just also a terrific concert, uh, it's just that much better. You know, we were saying maybe he should rest his voice for two years more often. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It'll, oh God, yeah. Hard to it, it was something. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. That's great. Have you, now, you know, I, I do, I ask this question of a lot of people. When you finally got to see him the first time, what was that like? Because as, as I've, yeah, you know, as I ask a lot of people, it's just, it, there's just something really transcendent about that moment that it dawns on you that like, that's the guy, you know, I, that's the guy right there. <laughs> I, I've heard other people describe this on your show. And I think it's exactly right that all of a sudden you're in the same room. Yeah. And yeah. it is a very unreal feeling. And, you know, even and you and people who aren't Dylan fanatics, I guess, wouldn't get this, but there is this feeling of having climbed up to a top of a mountain or something and gotten there. <laughs> and um, and and so, and that it was. I'm trying to remember which venue it was because I can remember it was here in Chicago. But he's played a lot of different venues, and I can't remember where the first one was. And we've seen him in so many. But it, I think the way people describe it is exactly right. That that this is something that after all this you know, hoping and waiting and whatever you are there in the tangled web. That is his life, you know, that goes out in a million directions for some brief moments, my life and his life meet up, you know, in this one moment. And it's just like, wow, that's so cool. (laughs) Circumstances has put us in the same room at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I feel very lucky to live in a place where he plays. He comes to Chicago 
fairly regularly. Sure, sure. And so the opportunities are often there. there. There's one concert I was really sorry I missed because we had just no way of getting there. He was playing in Merrillville, Indiana. And it was the night he played saxophone. The only time he's played saxophone <laughs> on stage. Wow. He had, he had, you know, he had this friend who was injured in the accident. Larry Keegan, Larry Keegan. Is that Larry and, Kemp? Is it Larry Kemp? No, no, no. Sorry. No, it's not Larry Kemp, but he, he had a, another friend from camp who had um, ended up in a wheelchair as a result okay. of a guy. I do remember that. Yes. Who was a singer and that he was, and he toured with Bob sometimes. And that night he was touring with Bob and Bob, played the saxophone and never before since apparently so that was one in chicago i was really sorry to miss, oh yeah that's, yeah that's, i don't know i went back and i looked at my records i never got around to seeing the willie nelson mellencamp tour and i look at that now and i'm like what was i doing that i didn't go to those that i, well, I they, love john mellencamp what, what was wrong with me why didn't they do well that? you know yeah they did they did i think how many of them three uh, something like that. They did three tours, and the one we saw didn't have John Mellencamp. It only had Willie Nelson, who I love. Uh, but it w- it was great. It was great. That maybe they maybe there wasn't a minor league ballpark near your house. They I, there, I don't know. Maybe they didn't come by or something. But I just I look at that and I just like, how did I how did I not make the effort to go to that? I've been to I've seen Bob in distances far from my house. I've yeah. seen him in Ohio and I've seen him in Massachusetts. And I'm like, why, why didn't I? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, well, that we, <laughs> we, we won't hold it against you, Rob. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, well, again, that's a, that's a marvelous origin story. So that leads me to wonder if blonde on blonde was so it was the, the, the gateway drug to, to Bob Dylan. I'm curious as to why you picked something from together through life. So. Why Why this song? So when you were so kind to say to me, don't worry if someone has done the song before on your yeah, show. I but I don't care about that. But I felt ethically you're trying to get through five or six hundred songs. <laughs> and so if if you're kind enough to invite me on the show, then it is my moral duty to try to help you reach that goal. <laughs> so it's just wrong to go back and do a song that someone has already done. So I, you know, I looked at your list of songs. I, I felt very strongly about this, that we all have to help you get to, the, you, you know, it's going to keep adding songs. It's going to get worse. And so we have I to hope keep so. helping you get there. So I, I, I was just going through my CDs and looking at them. And you're absolutely right about Together for Life. It's actually a pretty good record, pretty good album. But it's not one, you're not going to sit in the living room and go, I think I'm going to put Together for Life on. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. But I was sort of going through everything and looking at them, and I have a lot of stuff. And then I picked up Together for Life, and I thought, hmm, Beyond Here Lies Nothing is actually a banger of a song, right? <laughs> it, so why not? But then I had to make sure that it was going to be pod worthy and <laughs> that there would be enough to talk about, right? Because it's interesting. If you were to ask me, like, I get obsessed with songs, Dylan songs. So I was obsessed for like three months with Senor. Listen to every possible version. I don't think I could talk about it. What the hell is that song about? And you know, <laughs> people really struggle to talk about it. And so I thought if I'm going to pick a song, there has to be enough material that goes with it. That And so I, I, I started thinking about this and I did some reading and digging and there is a lot that you can talk about with Dylan out of this particular song. And I, I made a little list, not to scare you because we probably won't get to all of this, but um, here are just a few of the topics. The Roman poets, Homer and Ovid. Right, right. Vamp- vampires, murder ballads, <laughs> Grateful Dead accordions and weird videos so i thought <laughs> i thought okay it's pod worthy right it's pod worthy because there's enough here that it's not just about the song but what the song opens up for you to talk about um with dylan so i thought this one will work all right fair enough so okay so from that list of topics that you just you just presented I know that he quotes Ovid from this. Like, I know that. And obviously he co-wrote this with Robert Hunter. 
so there's the Grateful Dead angle, and we know we, we're definitely going to talk about the uh, very unusual video that accompanied this song. <laughs> but but vampires, that one jumped out at me. So what is it? How do we, how are we getting to vampires with this? Song? So so how we're getting to vampires, and and we'll go you know we'll go a bit out of order here because we do have to go back to Homer and Ovid at some sure. point. Um, but and this sort of ties back to the murder ballad thing as well, which which we'll talk about. So those guys that did that book about where they've looked at every song, I can't remember the name of it. And, and they talk about this one. It was really just a beautiful love song. And you're thinking, well, is it, um, is it really a beautiful love song or is it something else? And, and we'll talk about the something else, but one of the things I went and looked at is how has this song been used and one of the oh places, right right yes okay. yes yes so there was a show called true blood True blood that's right and um it was used both as in the second now th- this is not my kind of show but you probably know i bet I, I i went and watched the relevant episode just for this i actually watched it three times so i was like oh my god um but it, so it was used, you know, to advertise the second season, then the final season, the show. And for people who never saw it, who never watched True Blood, I mean, you've got vampires, you've got, you know, human sacrifice, you have um, werewolves, you have changelings, you, you have all of this stuff. And the fact that they both advertised the season for it and then and it worked, it worked perfectly. And then they name an episode after it. And then, um, uh, of course, the episode, you know, shocking end, and then it ends with the music. You're sitting here thinking, well, this is correct for this. Hmm. Yeah, so that's the vampire. There you have the vampire. I forgot that. I forgot that they – I didn't see – I haven't seen that episode, but I know – I remember the promo. They okay, used well, the, and I, yeah. the episode is really weird. I mean, you, I, I, I will, you don't have to watch it. I, I've seen the first season of the show. My wife really likes it because she likes vampire stuff and she read the books, but it's, I remember it's very, it's a very horny show. Like it's, it's yeah. very overheated. It's not only is people it, turning into vampires and werewolves, but they're constantly <laughs> climbing on top of one another. On top oh, yeah. Of the, well, you, you, you can, stuff. you can tell your wife that one of my best friends who's an actual judge liked it. So okay. you know, she, she's in good company. <laughs> I think for some of us, it was like, Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> But yeah, the song worked for them. As I've said on other episodes, I really would love to someday talk to uh, somebody that works in the Bob Dylan licensing office just to what that job is like, because they really get the strangest calls. You know, like, oh, hey, can we book? Can we use uh, Beyond Here's Night? Who are you from? We're from True Blood. Yeah. Over on Showtime. Yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. Well, yeah. let's look at how much that's going to cost. Okay. Here we go. Where are you going to use it? Well, we're going to use it as a promo over some footage of uh, two vampires uh, humping. Okay. Yeah. Right. All exactly. right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just imagine that, but that, that sounds like a boring job. And then you realize, yeah, but when it's fielding Bob Dylan licensing requests, it probably becomes very, very interesting. So, okay. Right. Well, fair enough. That's right. A great connection okay. to the vampires. All right. So well, let's start at the beginning. Oh, Homer and Ovid, of course. So, so I thought this was interesting because it does give us an opportunity. And I'll try not to let my inner nerd out too much here. We are blessed in Chicago with a terrific museum called the American Writers Museum. And they did a wonderful exhibit back in 2018, Dylan Goes Electric. And they ended up extending it. They, they doubled the amount of time it was up. And what they do when they have these exhibits is they have authors who are related to the topic come through and speak. And of course, in any given week, somebody's writing a book about Dylan, right? I think we're up to 4,000 on Amazon. Uh, so they, <laughs> wow. they, um, they had the, the author of the book, why Bob Dylan matters spoke. Great book. Um, yes. Yeah. Great book. Um, and, and, when so you know he has he's a classic scholar right he has this big deal chair in in um classics at harvard taught the very first um dylan class that was being taught in universities the new york times featured it when the nobel prize comes out and so we heard him speak that night then i saw a whole panel of classic scholars talking about dylan and if you think you and i are fans we are nothing compared to these guys. I mean, these, these guys are nuts. And, but they, 
they established Dylan really firmly in two ways in thinking about Homer and Ovid and some of the other Romans um, scholars. So, uh, of course, the title Beyond Here Lies Nothing comes from Ovid and it comes from his exiled poems. And I think, you know, when we look at the actual lyrics of the song, you can see why he would have picked that, because there is this 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 feeling of being isolated and alone and disconnected to anything but another person. But it's fascinating to hear what they all have to say about him, because they say they, they sort of see Dylan um, as coming directly out of the lineage of the Roman poets, both by the kinds of topics, the the humanity of the topics he talks of and the oral tradition. And then, of course, and you probably, you know this if you've read the book, starting particularly with modern times, looking at how he's using their work and trans transforming it through his song. So, um, you know, uh, 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 ain't talking Modern Times has a number of, of references to it. And Nettie Moore, that, you know, uses a lot. Yeah, yeah, right. Stuff. Yeah, a, a lot. So not to, we don't need to do a Scott Warmoth here because no one does it better than he does, right? Mm. But but there there's a ton of stuff that he uses. But also, I think more interestingly, is they all talk about him as if he is their logical heir uh, to that, 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 that tradition of that oral tradition. And, uh, you know, they, they, they speak of him. I, I, it's at, at some point in Richard Thomas's book, he talks about him as being the greatest living writer in the English language. So it's, it, it, it's really interesting to see how these classical scholars relate to him. And then of course we know from Dylan, you know, you've, I'm sure you've listened to his Nobel prize speech any number of times right yeah and uh, he goes through the books that impacted him the most so we hear Moby Dick and we hear um all quite in the western front and then he gets to the odyssey and just speaks so movingly about it right and and then you know he he comes to he comes to the end and when he talks about himself he ends with with he goes I want to go back to Homer and say, and I think this is so perfect for Dylan, sing in me, O muse, and through me tell the story. And so I, that's such a perfect description of his creative process and what comes out of it. So I just thought it, this was a nice opportunity for us to note that in relationship to this song. Mm. Is that, okay, did I just get too nerdy and wonky? <laughs> You've heard the show, Robert. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> What are you talking about? I mean, come on. You know, yeah. No, that's, that's what this is what we're here for. What are you talking about? That's, yeah, I, I was just reading some, somewhere else where he's quoting. He's going, well, I was just rereading Plutarch for the 20th time. And you're like, oh, when yeah. does this guy sleep? <laughs> he, I, that I, he, Bob, among many other skills, is a master at time management. You know, like he just gets a lot done and is that, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have a nine to five job that helps, but just by the fact that he just produces and does as much as he does, it's just, it's just a marvel of that. Like, God, when is he? Yeah. I mean, he has time to watch movies and read books and, you know, I'm sure he reads fluff as well, but still, I mean, he also is, he's out there reading Plutarch, you know, that's true. I, I was really consoled to read i think was it was it in was it in jeff slate's interview or whoever's yeah it must have been about during the pandemic that um he sat at home and watched father brown and coronation street yeah coronation yeah Yeah. like binging on those and i just felt i felt so validated in my binging british mysteries Imagine Bob's got subscriptions to BritBox and stuff. You know, <laughs> well, I know. I just love it. I, apparently, you know, people. Uh, Father Brown offered him a part, and they were the <laughs> the guy from Coronation Street. You know, my husband's British, so he's been he's seen Coronation Street for about 150 years because it's been running about that it, long. It's been it's been on about as long as Bob has been a popular it's musician. Been, basically, exactly right. And and so they. I don't know if you saw they interviewed the guy from Coronation Street and he said, we're just in a state of shock, but he can have he can have any role he wants. You know? He's going to do it. I know he's going to. That's exactly the weird ass thing Bob would do. 
right. being on Dharma and Greg. You know, like, after what? that, that's read the the perfect follow up to Dharma you know, and Greg, like, right? What? You know, and, and Pawn Stars, like those those yeah. are the shows he's on. Like, what the I ju- I just love the quirkiness of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he he clearly doesn't think of himself in that kind of highfalutin way of like, well, I'm Bob Dylan. I don't appear on some sitcom. No, he wants to do it. He does it, you know, and that's it. That's fine. You get, he well, walked, you know, he's like, sure. Yeah. And you get this sort of secret feeling that he's actually a fun guy. Yeah. You know, maybe so. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like I said, this, this song, when I first heard, cause it was the only single, as much as they do that yeah. nowadays, it was the only single released off of Together Through Life. And I remembered that it was it was put out before the record. And it so, was. You know, and I remembered getting this. And, and I don't mean to mention this because it's a little bit of a downer thing. But nevertheless, this was the this was the memory I have. I remember when it debuted on, I guess, Apple or whatever. However, you, I got it on my phone. And I remembered... It came out on the day that I was driving uh, a couple hours to go to a funeral. And it was a very kind of surreal experience because the, the, you know, obviously it was a, a funeral. It's not a, not a, a no. fun, fun experience. Yeah. And, but I had this bizarre giddiness of, in, you know, in anticipation of ne- hearing a new Bob song after a couple of years because the last record had been Modern Times and I love Modern Times. And I was like, Oh my God, he's got another record coming out. That's amazing. And hearing this song. And playing it over and over. And I played it, I think, nonstop for like, I was driving for two hours. Like, I played it for like an hour and a half of the two hours because I just, just went over and over and over and over again. And it was, get, it was a, it was just a strange thing of like, well, I have this one mood of going to this thing that I don't want to be going to. I wish was not, had not happened. And yet here I am excited over hearing this song. Now, lyrically, like, it's deceptive in that it's relatively straightforward. Kind of for a Dylan song. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, but and and of course we don't know who wrote what lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what's Robert. This is a we don't know what's Robert Hunter, Hunter and what's him, and yeah. uh, so. Um, but he clearly loves writing with Robert Hunter, right? Yeah. I mean, he does nine songs on this. He did Silvio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Robert Hunter and is Duquesne Whistle, I think. Is See, I believe that, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and he. He's he's incredibly kind about Robert Hunter when he's when he's interviewed about him, right? So he Yeah, he said very nice yeah. things about him, especially when he passed a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes, he did. And I actually wrote down one because I, I it'll just make you laugh. You know, he said, you know, he and Hunter he could write a hundred songs with him. And then he goes, He's got a way with words and so do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh really, Bob? <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. That's a <laughs> but yeah, so, so you know that's that's one of those things where where we just don't know. But it, I think I could see where you would find that you know the experience of going to something incredibly sad, and then this song, which is has I think, and we'll talk about it, you know, a, a dark side to it. But mm-hmm. um, it's also I'll listen to it while I'm cooking, and I'm kind of bopping around the kitchen and dancing because it's just a great yeah, song it's such an, right, it's such an upbeat tempo yeah it's one of the it's a you get a danceable bob dylan song which it's an actual danceable bob and and you've got i'm a big los lobos fan uh i've i've followed los lobos ever since they appeared and i really love them you've got david hidalgo on here Mm -hmm. playing and i think playing the accordion and there's the accordion and um I, i i think it gives it a whole he gives it a whole different feel from a normal what what we've heard before so musically, it's lighter, you mm-hmm. know, than than a lot of what we've heard. And coming off of the big three um, albums, and it's very different. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, again. I remember the first time I played it, and that according to and I was like, "Whoa, this is really okay. This is this is what this album is going to sound like." Now, of course, they don't all sound like that, but. It was that initial blast of like, oh, this yeah. is very unusual for what he's done. But you're right, lyrically, like I said, it's you know, it's sweet and it's romantic, but yet it, it the imagery has got all this darkness. I mean, the, I'm moving after midnight down boulevards of broken cars. Like this guy is pining for this woman, and he's saying these romantic things to her, and yet he's presumably living in this kind of desolate, miserable oh, yeah. place. You know, where it's, 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 it's kind it's, of grim. It's, it's dark and it's 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 obsessive about the relationship and it's possessive and um 
I, have you have you seen what Grayley Heron has written about Dylan and murder ballads? Because he puts this in that group. And in fact, he quotes you in his book. I bet you didn't know that. Uh, please <laughs> continue. A, yeah. The, <laughs> keep, the, keep talking. <laughs> okay. The book is called, so Grayley is a great guy. He's a professor at, at Xavier University. He's written a book that I just would push for anybody. It's called Dreams and Dialogues in Dylan's Time Out of Mind. And he writes about the fact that he, he he's one of the people who said, actually, Make You Feel My Love is not a love song. It's a murder ballad. And he says, um, I'll make a copy of this page for you and send it to you. So because I was rereading this, I said, oh, Rob's really going to like this. Filtered through Dylan's ragged pipes, projected into the twisted thoughts of his dreamer and juxtaposed alongside other ominous fantasies, make you feel my love is a cloaked threat of violence more than a promise of love. The freewheeling Rob Kelly, host of the podcast Pod Pod Dylan. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's exactly right when he points out to me there is a slightly sinister cast to it, because why do you need to make anybody feel your love? So there you go. You're on page 38. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll make, I'll, 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 you should meet you should meet Grayley. He's a lovely guy. And yes. I'll send you I'll send you a copy. But then he says, you know, he he says a lot of the songs like Lovesick on on time out of mind are come out of the tradition of murder ballads where um, it's an American folk tradition where instead of marrying the girl, you murder her, right? It's, it's kind, right. kind of yeah. grim and bad and Delia, whatever. you know, it's Delia. You guy loved yeah, Delia so exactly. much. He had a murderer. Right. And yeah. so then he says, he, you know, says beyond here um, lies nothing falls. It, it's got that ominous possessive dark feel to it that I can't, I can't, function without you i have to, it has yeah. to be just you and me and there isn't anything else right there's and, nothing right outside yeah. of this relationship is oblivion there's nothing yeah. else yeah huh Which, yeah i i i'm having to yeah. pause yeah. a little about being quoted in someone well, else there you work. are you're 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 a footnote or something yeah you're I, so Dream come true. You know? <laughs> well and and there let me tell you grayley's a great writer so there there are many worse places to be quoted I, that's and, no i know that's marvelous yeah, that's a yeah. wonderful thing that anyone would quote me in any sort of way that's i will say we have we have yet to do that song on the show make you feel my love but i will i, I it's funny just today we were listening to my wife and i were listening to amazon music and they were just playing random songs and they played the adele cover yeah. of of that song and it's so funny because it's like when everyone else covers the song, I mean, I know they're, I haven't heard every cover, but I've heard the big ones, Billy Joel and Garth Brooks yeah. and the Adele one. When everyone else covers that song, it's a love song. When Bob sings it, it's a murder song. Right. <laughs> so, so <laughs> exactly. Just by the timber of his voice. So, no, no, so, no, no, no. It's yeah. So this is, it's probably a good segue to the video. <laughs> Yeah, the video. Um, yeah. Well, that, well, okay. Before we get to the video though, I do want to say I don't, I don't remember when I saw the video in relation to having heard the song. I mean, obviously I heard the song first, but I don't know what the time was between hearing the song and then seeing the video. Um, but, and I don't know whether. So there's a story to that. There's a story to why. So. You know the wonderful cover of Together for Life, that photograph of the couple that are sure. making love in the car? So that's a photographer named Bruce Davidson. Right. Um, who is still alive. You know, he and and um, he's older than Bob. I mean, I think he was born in 1933 or something. And he had done this series of photographs called Brooklyn Gang black and white photographs. He was like 26 at the time. And the the guys in this group or club or gang were probably about 19, 20, 21. And they're really wonderful black and white photographs of this kind of urban life. So when they announce the song, it's supposed to come out with a video that's a collage of his photos from that. And I've never, so I think Hmm. the, you know, the video was made but you cannot find it anywhere. And it had to be simultaneously that they approached um, it, it's Nat, Nash Edgerton. 
Um, Nash Edgerton, it, yeah, is yeah, the director. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, this New Zealand guy who is both, um, uh, a, he's a filmmaker. He was a, a stuntman and, um, a Dylan fan. He says his father was a big Dylan fan. And so, and he, they call him. It's, a, and they said they won't even send him the song. So I keep thinking it can't have been out yet then. Because they said they're afraid of anyone pirating the song, so they play it once for him over the phone. <laughs> Isn't this like Dylan World? This is so pure Dylan World, right? Oh Lord! So they play it once for him. He's like, "Yeah, I, I, I really like it. You know, I'm going to do it." And so I can. So the timing is all. What the other one must have come out for a couple days, um, but they must have simultaneously been having this very different one made right hmm all right that's interesting yeah i didn't know about that i didn't know about that there was the alternate but nash edgerton yeah. nash edgerton by the way is is the brother of joel edgerton the joel actor edgerton. we've seen yeah. in a million other things now he obviously nash and bob obviously uh get along on some uh fundamental level because he has directed five or excuse me, four, no, four Bob four, Dylan yeah. videos. He must be Santa, which is one of my favorite things Bob's ever well, done. Don't we all love that? Yeah, everyone yeah. loves that. Duquesne whistle. I, I, yeah, and the which night we called pretty, it a day. And 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 other than must be Santa, which I guess could have a violent undertone to it. <laughs> but well, right, the others, yeah. yeah, the the others are all pretty dark. Yeah, and, they, I was about to say, they all feature some weird element of violence in them. Uh, this one is the, the this one, this one for Bond Banner is nothing is by far the, the biggest example, but they all feature very strange bouts of violence. It's, 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 it's yeah, kind of so baffling. When I watch this one, because in my heart of hearts, I just know that, that Bob is a really sweet guy. I just know it, you know, and, and, and a gentle soul and whatever. So you watch this video. And of course, I've watched it lots of times, you know, before coming on there. And I had a little voice inside me that was going, Bob, Bob, you know, like, you okay. Right, Bob? Are you okay, Bob? You know, but, um, uh, it, it, it is, it, 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 it is a really, you know, intense couple minutes there, right? And and then and and he said he doesn't even know if Bob saw it. I mean, he has no idea, but you know, you figure he had. But then Bob is in all the other ones, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, he said he must have approved it on on some level. But but I was saying is like I don't remember when I saw the video in relation to how much it it is bleeded, bled. Excuse me, bleeded, bled over into my view of what the song is because. Lyrically, if you want to, you can just say, well, it is a romantic song. It's, it's yeah. got, it's got a downbeat cast to it. It's a guy who's probably got a kind of a hard scrabble life. Uh, he's living it again. He's living in it in an area where there's, it's broken cars and broken windows. And, you know, uh, the, the, the only thing he cares about is the love of this woman. But when I watch the video, now oh. it's all I can think about is no, this is a guy who is saying your love, my love for you is so all encompassing. That there is nothing else, and right. more threateningly, there's nothing else for you either. Like this is it, and if this doesn't, if this isn't a thing, we're both going to die. And the video makes that explicit because I mean, not only the most the most upsetting part of it, obviously, at the end is when you know it's oh it's, it's this video of this man and this woman beating the living shit out of each other, which is right upsetting to watch because. They don't soft pedal it in terms of the blow no, that mean, the woman is she, taking. She's getting yeah. hit. She's getting hit. She knifes him. She knifes right? him, right. But there's that shot early on where it looks like she is his prisoner. Oh, yeah. she's Clearly, he comes in and she's he, he looks and now he's confused because she's not tied up. Yeah. There's like ropes or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a dark one, you know, although... although um, I mean, people like his work a lot, and you could see why. Be, I mean, he does these these neat little plays within three minutes or four minutes, and they're very skillfully done, right? But that boy, that one, that I was trying to figure out how. I was telling a couple of friends that this was the song I was going to do, and I was trying to figure out how do I send them the song without sending them this. Video, yeah, yeah. Right? 
<laughs> my, my only beef with the video is that it is just simply unpleasant to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's very it, hard. It must be Santa is a, is 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 a total blast, and yeah, there's yeah. that weird violent part, but that's just sort of silly. I don't. I find Duquesne Whistle to be a little easier to watch just because Bob yeah. is in it, which is fun, even though that's got violence. And yeah. the night we called it a day is obviously. Uh, a pastiche of 40s noir so okay. yeah i mean the, the but, night they we call it a day is a hoot yeah right? it's, uh, it's this, a hoot yeah, yeah this one is just two people just you know trying to murder one another and it's just like well i don't know. and then at the, the you know the kind of the the button at the end is she manages to get away and then she stops and cradles his face. I mean, she she has the moment to get oh, away. Yeah. She gets in the car. She could get away. And then she stops, cradles his face, and kisses him. And that's the end of yeah. the video. And you're like, well, all right, well, these two are hopeless together. Yeah, like this, she, the, you know, this is so. the most dysfunctional couple of the year award. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, so, it is, yeah. It, I think it's hard to watch. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate his abilities, the filmmaker's abilities. And, you know, you, you look at the four and every one of them is wildly original Mm -hmm. but um but this one is very tough and i uh, very tough to watch and he says that bob is in it but i can't find him anywhere i've never heard that i I don't know where Bob would be in it yeah he in an interview he said bob's in it but you'll never find him like hmm. (laughs) okay all right well now i gotta go watch it frame by frame like there's a pruder film and try if i can yeah, no, 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 yeah I know it's kind of like that right exactly okay. but so, so but that's the thing is like the song itself because it has that wonderful yeah. accordion in it and it has that it is it's just like a danceable tune yeah. it just doesn't have that same to me grim miserable miserable feel to it but now thanks to the video I can't separate the two and I'm a little yeah. like yeah I wish I wish I could separate them a little bit more because I don't yeah. think the song is quite this extreme but you know I, I I also think Rob, this is something that applies to so many of Bob's songs. Is he changes them all the time? They mm-hmm. change, right? The mm-hmm. way we experience them changes. You listen to some of the live performances of this, and they're very different. Well, that's yeah. I, I yeah. looked when I looked that up. Uh, I, you know, I again, I some songs I always have a sense of like, well, I know he's done this one a lot, or he hasn't done yeah. this one very much. This one has been done. 434 times i had no idea he played it this much that's a lot there's he played it a ton and i was actually when i was looking at that because i was thinking about robert hunter too he's played silvio over 500 times and so he clearly really really likes playing this song and um the song makes the list of a lot of top Dylan songs, you know, top Dylan songs of this century. And we normally wouldn't be looking at somebody's songs in that way, but, you know, top Dylan songs of the last 25 years. Um, and, and by the way, it also makes the list of the top rock and roll accordion songs, <laughs> which I bet you didn't know was a category. <laughs> I, I'm not, it's not surprising, yeah. you know, I mean, no, I didn't, but yeah. it's not, it's not terribly surprising, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he, I was shocked that he, he he started playing it in 2009, which is not pretty much right after the album came right. out. And then he kept playing it all the way through 2019. So basically yeah. the last set of tour dates before the pandemic hit. So, yeah, I had no clue. And so I watched a bunch of them on YouTube. And it's fun that he can try to, for some versions, approximate the sound uh, with, uh, with, the, with the standard band because he doesn't have David Hidalgo with him. Right, uh, playing this, but he's able to sort of approximate it using either different instruments or someone else playing the accordion to get across that. That get it's to me the as good, as good as the song is. It's that accordion that's that's the 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 end the motor of this particular it, absolutely, song. and it gives it that it, it gives it that kind of border feel mm-hmm. to it, right? Even though this is sort of a bluesy song, but it gives you that kind of Bob loves Texas, and it gives you that kind of Texas you know, border field to it. And um, the, I think you're right. The accordion really drives it. The, the other thing that was sort of interesting is I guess he was sick when they recorded it. So his voice was even raspier than usual. Hmm. And it, I think it really works. I'm always fascinated by the fact that he's always doing these things with 105 degree fever or something, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I think the voice here on the, on the, on the record itself really works. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's some of the. Did you hear the Mark Knopfler? Yes, version? I did listen to that one. Yeah. Oh, 
that one's so good. So, Another fellow musician he clearly has great affection for. Yes. You know, yes. somebody he really yeah. likes yeah. to collaborate with. Uh, I noticed that the, you know, the, the final verse of the song is, my ship is in the harbor and the sails are spread. Listen to me, pretty baby, lay your hand upon my head. Beyond here lies nothing, nothing done and nothing said. First of all, Bob loves the ship metaphor. He loves Very those. Much. He's constantly sailing in his songs. We know yeah. that he owned a boat for maybe he still does, but at least for the longest time. And he wrote a lot of like infidels while sailing and stuff. So he loves that. He loves yeah. that metaphor. I think he sees himself as a, as a captain in a lot yeah. of regards, which he is. He's the captain of the band, you know, yeah. uh, but I think, I think he sees himself as, as an old timey guy, you know, sailing on a ship with, a bunch of pirates or something like that, or kind of like a Billy Budd sort of situation. But I love the listen to me, pretty baby, lay your hand upon my head, which again, maybe it's the video bleeding, no pun intended into how I view this song, but there's something about lay your hand upon my head, which is like, to me suggests like there's an injury there like it's it's kind of a healing thing like yeah guy is laying down and the woman is tending to him in some way at least that's that's what i yeah this this last verse is sort of i think a combination of you know so much of what bob does it has movement in it you know he's Mm -hmm. walking he's sailing you know all of that but it's also combined with this real tenderness i think at the end um that is you know, it's a little bit heart wrenching, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that last line, the the beyond here lies nothing done and nothing said. I, I again, I always feel like that. At least for to me, it's like, you know what? Whatever just happened, that didn't. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Like we're we're starting over. Which again, for relationships that can be toxic, uh, that can be a thing that pe- those people do. You know, where it's like, all right, forget I said that. Forget that I did that. Forget that I cheated on you. Let's start over. Let's start fresh. And it's that doesn't always work that way. <laughs> you know, right. your lives carry on kind of thing. But to me, it's always got that kind of tone to it. And, you know, together through life, through the title and the cover, which you mentioned, yeah. is a very romantic album. Yeah. And yet yeah. this opener is that kind of like, oh, OK, this is all right. Yeah, maybe romantic, but OK, <laughs> there's some other things going on here. But, you know, I. I really, one of the many side benefits of you making this invitation is I would never have delved into this. And I have so many Dylan songs that I know really, really well, but not this one. Mm -hmm. And I come away from this experience just with so much more to think about and, and appreciate from this one song. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that is the, that's the reason I do the show. Yeah. In the first place is that when I somebody can come to that's why I let the guests pick the song as opposed to me picking the song, because I'm like they're bringing their energy to it. They really want to talk about this one. Why this one as opposed to me assigning songs. So that to me, that's the, the you know, when, when I started at the very beginning, I'm like, no, that's I want you to tell me what you want to talk about, because this is. Like this song, yes, it's it's fairly well renowned, as you said. I've saw that it appeared on a couple of lists as like some of one of his better songs in the last quarter century. But it's it's not one that shows up on a lot of lists from guests. And so again, when then it was on yours, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I've never seen that one pop up, even though it's yeah. relatively famous. It was the single and stuff like that. And again, he's play we just talked about it. he's played it hundreds of times. Uh yeah. and it's been used in as you mentioned on true blood like you know the name an episode is name checked after it like it's it popped to higher to the service than a lot of other songs from yeah. this record yes i mean i thought your the the show i just heard this week i thought your last guest was really brave to do mississippi right well because... jason's a brave soul <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> because but but it's so well known Mm-hmm. And 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 he brought a really nice fresh take to it, but I thought I don't think people know this one very well. So uh, well, I said that Ed, all the songs deserve their moment in the sun, even the ones I make fun of, or Bowed in Plain D, or Joey. They all deserve their moment. Okay. Their, so, oh yeah, what? Yeah. Yes. So so this this is the moment where I get to <laughs> confess that I'm such a Dylan fan that I like Joey. 
Okay. I like no, Joey no, too. No, 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 it's you just, know, you just it, that just brings scorn heaped upon your head. <laughs> I you, like Joey. Once you it's admit just, that, <laughs> it's just out of the list of six hundred. It's around five ninety seven. That's all I'm saying. It's like something has to be at the bottom because, as I said. If they're all if they're all great, then none of them are great. They only it so, has to be some qualitative difference. What? So, what's your number one? My number one Bob Dylan song? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my all time favorite. You're asking? Yeah, series of dreams. Oh, I love series of dreams. Series but you know, dreams. one of the reasons I love it so much is the video. Uh, yes, the, the video gave you a whole, a whole. That was where the video I thought really elevated the song. Because the the images are so powerful, I, I love that song. Okay, I, I I I will say now. I think I probably mentioned this in other episodes yeah. or on Twitter or whatever. But like the reason that I and you was funny. You were saying that you you know you look at it as uh, part of the mission of the show is to get every song done. I don't for in my mind, series of dreams is like permanently off the table for discussion because it means so much to me. And it is so Mm -hmm. personal that I feel like I have two choices when it would come to discussing series of dreams. And I know we're getting off of beyond here. lies nothing. That's that's okay. okay. It's Um, uh, Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, But with series of dreams, it's, I have two choices. One, I could reveal on the show why it's so personal to me and i don't want to do that i i keep some things for myself not everything is is grist for the mill uh, and then on the other hand i could do the show and not mention that but then i feel like i'm not doing justice to the song right. by not mentioning honest. it yeah so mm, well I, so. I i will i will tell you that in the class um i did this the adult education class i ended it with series of dreams yeah. and i said i can't explain why but this encapsulates so much for me. Yeah. 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 It's everything to me. It's uh, yeah. as much as I could would ever point to one song because, uh, you know, I mean, I love the guy's whole canon in there. And when you get into like top 10, you're through. I'm talking about Tangled Up in Blue and God Knows and, and Key West. And they're all just giant points in my life. And I would never want to, com- you know, compare together tonight. I'll be staying here with you. Or you ain't going nowhere. I, you know, they all mean something to me in different ways. And I would never want to like pit them against each other by making some sort of like yeah. racked list of like, this is it. Yeah. Tangled up a blue is I am declaring it is inferior to series of dreams. But if I, if someone said, you know, gun to my head, which in this country is, you know, right. Possibly happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite? I would say it's series of dreams. It's it, it hit me in a way I can't imagine any other song will ever hit me and so there it is so that's it that, but, and, and that's different from saying what's the greatest it's what's yes the one greatest that, is a very different very different what's the one that when you hear it something just goes right through you you know that, just stabs you in the heart and yeah. you yeah like you yeah. did with blonde on blonde like you just heard by yeah. the way let me yeah. do, as we're wrapping up here let me do you have a favorite song off of blonde on blonde like when you listen to it was there one that kind of was greater than the red that really that you were like, oh, oh, whoa. And then, I mean, obviously you know, love the whole record, but. I love the whole record and there wasn't, that's sort of interesting because there wasn't one. I mean, if you were going to ask me what my one song is, it would be One More Cup of Coffee. And I don't mm. know why. Okay. I honestly don't know why. It's mm. just whenever I hear it, I feel like this is perfect in every way. <laughs> um. So. All right. I, well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. We've, we've, we've been yeah. talking about a lot of other things. So. We should wrap it up here, Roberta. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. As we said, I, you know what's coming. I have the exit question I have to ask you, and I will let you answer either one because, again, you're new to the show. You haven't asked. Yeah. You haven't been answered. Uh, I haven't asked the uh, sessions question yet, but you can also answer if you want the bootleg series question, whichever one. What session would you love to have sat in on, or if you want to answer the other one, what bootleg series would you love to hear? What what in your mind, you know? Hey, Roberta, you're gonna write the liner notes. To the next, you're going to pick the material. What is it? So the bootleg, I, I think I'm going to answer the bootleg one. Um, right. And the bootleg series, I would like to see, and I'm not sure how this would work. But to me, so much of the heart of what Dylan does is live performance. And I don't think we fully capture live performance 
just through audio, even though the audio is great. And somehow I would like to see them pull together some kind of bootleg where it would be pulled from live performance that would include your ability to actually watch him do it as well, which I think is a key part of it. I don't know how you would do that, but that's my dream bootleg that, that that's what I would, uh, that's what I would like to see that, that, you know, some of those performances when you watch him are just stunning. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I don't know, you know, who knows what goes on in the mind of Dylan world and, and certainly in Tulsa, they've got a lot of great footage, but that would be great. All right, that's a marvelous answer. That's absolutely great. Yeah. Um, so well, Roberta, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. This was an absolutely marvelous discussion. We've been talking back and forth on Bob Twitter yeah. for a while, and it was one of those like, How have I not invited you on the show before now? I don't know how did I let that happen. So I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really loved it. And so thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Um, so I'm on Twitter, um, uh, Roberta underscore Raycove, and that's probably the easiest way. I mean, I am still on Twitter, even though it's, you know, <laughs> it's getting harder and harder. It's getting harder and harder. Um, so that, that's where you can find me. And I, um, I tweet about Bob Dylan and I tweet about public health. And I tweet about politics. So those are the right. things you would find. So there you go. <laughs> no problems there. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure that makes for a wonderful Twitter experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so well, again, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, of course, everybody, you can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support Pod Dylan, please go to patreon.com slash FW podcasts. And there you can unlock various rewards one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hussle, George Doherty, Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. Hey, him again, uh, for their support of Pod Dylan. I really do appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Great. Used to be they all thought I was crazy. Now they know I'm telling the truth, and they can't face it. Zombie-eyed freaks. Hey, let it go, Bubba. Look, you and me both know we saved her and everybody else. Come here. We're heroes to this town. What? They don't remember anything. We don't remember anything. How's that make us heroes? We gotta be. Look, we set out to save this town for Marianne. Now, today, she's gone. And everybody's okay. We must have done something, right? In my book, if no one thinks we're heroes, it don't count. Of course it counts. It's like if a tree falls in the woods, it's still a tree, ain't it? The whole point in being a hero is to do something greater in yourself. It'd be easy to do it for the glory or the girls. But we're bigger men than that.